Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I have not been um, on the podcast that much recently as I was just uh, talking to my guests today. Um, past three to four weeks have been a little bit of a, a boxing match. So Mike Tyson, I think, famously said, you know, someone asked him what his plan was or what his opponent's plan was. And he said, you know, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Um, so that's kind of been I'm on a new chemo that's punching me in the face. But you know what? I've got all kinds of people to lift me up. I got two guests here today with me to lift me up. I have Tom Vibert and I have Mick McDonald. So these guys are closely entwined with the V Foundation. For those of you who don't know the V Foundation, time to learn, people. This is uh, V Foundation is uh, just an incredible resource. It, well, you know what? Let me pass it off to the man who is going to fill us in on what it is. Talk to us about the V Foundation. We're going on close to 30 years of the foundation overall, right, Mick? Yeah. Hey, hey, thanks, Trevor, for appreciate you having us on and uh, glad to be with you and uh, and appreciate you you putting the uh, the energy forth to, to be with us today. I know you, you were talking about how tough it's been for you. So um, thinking about you and uh, and appreciate you, you having us on. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Uh, you know, the V Foundation uh, first started in 1993. I think, you know, I hope anyways, most people have seen uh, Jim Valvano's famous speech from the 93 SBs, which, you know, I'm a little biased, but even before I worked <laughs> for the V Foundation is just one of the most inspiring and motivational speeches anywhere of all time. Uh, and I will interrupt you right there. For those folks who haven't seen the speech, pause this podcast yes. right now, go yes. watch the speech, and then come back and listen to us talk about it. Yeah, you'll you'll yeah. you'll agree with me, I promise, when, when you go watch. You can <laughs> v.org, and you can find the speech on our website. Uh, go check it out. Um, yeah, Love so it. that's Jim, you know, joined forces with ESPN in 1993 to, to start the V Foundation, he was unfortunately very sick, uh, pa- passed away, you know, uh, shortly after he gave the speech. But uh, you know, his motto was don't give up, don't ever give up. And that's the motto that we've taken on uh, at the V Foundation. And, uh, you know, since since his he started the foundation, uh, you know, we've awarded more than two hundred and sixty million dollars in cancer research grants. Um, and we've seen, you know, of course, through the work of the V Foundation, but also, also many other cancer charities and and, and funding, uh, you know, cancer survivor rates have gone up. There's better treatments. There's, there's more options. And that's, you know, that's where we want to be headed. We, you know, our goal is victory over cancer. That's where we want to be where, you know, you hear the words cancer and say, all right, we know we're going to tackle this thing and we're going to take it down. So, um, you know, through, through many great partnerships and, uh, events like the victory ride, which I know we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, we, we continue to push forward and, and through, you know, the awesome support of, of people like you, Trevor, who, who are getting, helping us get awareness out there to other folks. And, People like Tom, who, who's on with us today, who's our, uh, you know, so passionate about the ride and everything we do, you know, we're, we're just, you know, want to continue to push forward and, and keep things moving. Absolutely. And tell us a little bit about your role um, with the foundation. Yeah. So I've been with the foundation for about five and a half years now. Um, I work on our communications team and, and my role is creating content. Um, and what we want to do is we want to tell stories. We want to tell stories about the researchers we funded and the work they're doing. 
We want to tell stories about survivors. We want to tell stories about, you know, families who maybe lost someone to cancer and have rallied together to honor their memory and, and you know, do something in, in their honor. And our hope is that people can connect to these stories, whether it's something they've been through or some something about the story that sort of touches them and motivates them. And, and right, our goal is we want to we want to get people to donate. We that's that's you know the the core of everything we do is is we want to get people to donate and raise as much money as we can so we can then turn around and fund these incredible cancer researchers who are doing life saving work and and our our you know I don't want to get into the weeds on our funding process but it is a rigorous process that these researchers go through to get a grant from the V Foundation you know we fund at um, you know really only the best research we have a a scientific advisory committee that sort of uh, sifts through the best applicants from the best cancer centers. We, fu- you know, we fund um, NCI designated cancer centers across the country and we look for the best of the best. And, and that's what we want to, you know, we want to make sure uh, our, you know, the money we award, which, you know, a hundred percent of direct donations to the V foundation go to cancer research. And that's something we're very proud of. And, you know, we want to make sure that that money is then being used the right way. And so we look to fund the best of the best and, and we're very proud of, of the research that we fund. So I want to just emphasize that because there is no shortage of cancer foundations, right? I mean, and that's a great thing. There's tons of them. There's tons of them out there. All have a little bit of a different model. But what I love about the V Foundation is that you have a, um, remember I said you guys are going to have to pick me up. What's, What's the word I'm looking for that covers your overhead so that all the money can go to research? Endowment. I found yes, it. Yes, endowment. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah. We, so we, we do have an endowment generously funded that covers all of our overhead expenses, staff funding and all that sort of things. And that allows us to, to keep this model, which is really, you know, close to, to our hearts as the V funding. We, we started with this model and we've continued to, to keep it that way. And you meant there's a ton of great organizations and we love all, all these other organizations who are doing great work, but we take pride in the fact that, you know, if you make a donation to the V Foundation, it's going to cancer research. And those partners that you work with, like you said, are at the top of the field. Like I'm looking through your list of, <laughs> of research partners and it's the who's who of cancer researchers, cancer centers. I mean, these people are really are on the cutting edge of, of everything that goes on there. I do have to give a quick plug. If you want to watch something else about Jimmy V, I was down at John Hopkins. I was in a trial there for a while. I failed out of it miserably, but that's okay. But I was down in Baltimore and I was bored one night and I was like, man, I, I've heard about this 30 for 30 about Jim Valvano and the 83 Wolfpack team, which of course the Wolfpack is a theme is near and dear to my heart because that's what we call our guys in our in our men's cancer group is we, we, we think of ourselves as the cancer wolf pack. And, and that was before I knew too much about Jimmy V beyond the speech, but I watched that 30 for 30 video and just go ESPN 30 for 30, Jim Valvano. It'll come up. It's a whole story about that whole tournament. And Jim Valvano was, man, that guy was never quit in anything in his life, whether it was on the basketball court or whether it came to cancer. So he is one of my personal heroes. He's a hero to so many of, of us in the Howling Place. We we post a lot about him. I just want to throw that out there. If you want a little more deep dive, go for it. That's awesome, Trevor. And for those looking for it, it's it's, it's called Survive in Advance. So please, Survive please in take advance. a look and and check it out. And uh, our good buddy, Derek Wittenberg, who's a board member at the V Foundation, played on that 83 team, was sort of uh, the one of the key creators behind that uh, 30 for 30. Though. So shouts to Derek, uh, who did a great job on that. And, um, I, and Derek w- will be the first to to tell great stories about Jim and the behind the scenes stuff. We, we actually, uh, we had him on our, our podcast on the V foundation. So shameless plug time, Trevor, I knew I was gonna have to get this in our, our podcast, the V foundation It's called, Oh no, no, absolutely. It's called uh, voices for victory. So please, if you listen, uh, to the man up to cancer podcast, I'm sure you'll, you'll love ours. 
we, we, we have people on to tell stories. Derek, we had Derek on earlier this year and he, he is just, first of all, a wonderful storyteller and the stories he tells about Jim, you know, in the 83 run. And even before that, leading up to when he first came to NC state uh, are terrific. So I uh, encourage you to check that out. And yeah, the 30 for 30 is unbelievable. It's really great. Yeah. And Derek is quite a character that comes across in, in the um, production and, you know, he'll probably still argue that that was a pass he had to, to Lorenzo <laughs> Charles for the dunk to win. That's right. That's it, was right. it was perfect. <laughs> it wasn't a um, shot. Okay. Let's, so let's move into, well, Tom, let's, let's introduce your story here, man. Tell our listeners a little bit about your journey, your cancer journey. For me I, I, in 2012, which when it really hit me in the face, I had a uh, baseball size tumor. I went to, I didn't realize what I had, but I just went for a regular routine checkup and said, there's a little something going on here. And we went and got a CT scan. And the next day I'm in front of a surgeon saying that's coming out and it's coming out now. And, and then it just hit the fan. I had my first colonoscopy like the next day. You were 49 years old. Tell me a little bit about what was your life like at that point? I'm a pretty athletic guy. And, uh, you know, I, I did I did a lot of uh, cycling, tennis, you know, whatever, a lot of running. I used to be a big runner, uh, baseball. Uh, I took up cycling because you can just see more in the hour that, you know, you can ride more in an hour and see more in an hour. So I took up cycling and stuff. But but what what's amazing, too, is that um, – I had followed our, our family uh, cancer battle back in the early 90s with two of my cousins. And one was diagnosed and, and passed away, away rather quickly. And one had about a seven-year fight, and it, it was amazing. But even back in the 90s, it really didn't hit me that I should be doing anything. I was just healthy as could be and moving on, not even sure. on, on the radar. And yeah. But then it all started hitting home about what was going on with me and that Lynch syndrome. I know we're both Lynch syndrome candidates. We're metastatic right. colon cancer survivors so far. And, and I'm doing more, uh, more investigating into the metastatic patient. And it's, it's still out there. The things that are going on in your body, you may be Ned now. Yeah. But there's the potential for reoccurrence. So, I mean, and, and, and that's another reason why the, the research is like, you just can't let up on it. So you had had some family experience prior to that kind of opened your eyes to the cancer journey, but then all of a sudden you got picked. Right. I, I got picked. And uh, one of the biggest things that, uh, let's see about, let's see, I've spent about seven days in the hospital, lost 49 pounds. And uh, when I got out of there, they said, you know, you're going to, we're going to hook you up with an oncologist and, and then, you know, your eyes really open and you're getting, uh, you know, genetic testing and then your family's getting tested because they, they find out, you know, your MSI high. They got to check other people about that. So it really, you know, hit the gas for me even before my first chemo treatment. Tell us a little bit about your life leading up to that in terms of uh, what you did for work, family. What was, I imagine like for me, it was pretty much like a life asteroid hit you. Right. I mean, we, we had just come on, it was July. We just came back from a, a vacation and, you know, my wife and I was married at the time. We don't have any kids, but we, uh, you know, we were playing a lot of yep. tennis together and, and, uh, you know, we were a very active lifestyle going on. And, you know, this really was not in the plans, but I, but it, and, and another thing that's amazing too, you know, you, you think back about a cancer, you're going along in your life, but once cancer, uh, if you look at it as an opponent, you're going to play. It shows up 
and you don't Absolutely. have a choice. You know, tennis, <laughs> you can right. go, man, that guy's he's <laughs> state champ. I don't think I want to play that guy. But yeah, can't, you're going to play. Yeah, you're in. You're yeah, in the game. exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, we don't have so, any more players. So you yeah, you better suck it up there. and you know get your game together, get your team together. I mean, it's and I wasn't even prepared to do that. I had a lot of good people around me doing it already, and uh, I thought about the only thing I thought I could control was uh, me as the patient, and yeah. I knew I just wanted to be you know do everything I could could do. You know, you try to you know get your, uh, you know, exercise when you can and just, you know, have a, an attitude about it that, that'll, that'll help your doctors point you in the right direction. So. And did you have a team, did you have like a, a cohesive team from the get go or did you switch along the way? Or? No, I mean, from, when, when it, when it started, I mean, I, I had a great surgeon. I mean, he, he, he did all my, he put in my, my power ports and, uh, I've had three of them. I broke one, but, um, <laughs> I don't think I broke it. I think it broke itself, but Playing too hard. Yeah, lifting and stuff. But uh, <laughs> but no, I, actually, I, I was in a, a good cancer center. I, I'm here in, uh, you know, I'm I'm probably an hour away from, you know, Joe Bullitt over here in yep. Greensboro. So shout out to Joe right, Bullitt, lead Joe. admin of the, of the Howling Place uh, group online. A little name drop in there for Joe, but, but yeah. But, oh, and we also got, real, real quick, we also got a shout out to Ryan Switzer here while we got a second. Yes. Uh, you know, yes. our buddy down there also with you guys. And, and we, we can get to that. I, I met Ryan day one of the first cancer ride we can get oh cool yeah, yeah. so we'll circle on yeah that. we can yeah. circle on that but 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 for me i i was at uh i went to the greensboro um cone health uh the cancer center there and yeah and, and then i i found out how amazingly connected a lot of these hospitals are about their patients and, and what to do and this and that so but it's it's kind of a, a a sweet spot here in north carolina there's three research hospitals around i did oh, a yeah. um you know, from from Cone, I went and got second opinions at UNC Lineberger and then Sloan Kettering up in New York about what's going on. And they all agreed. And uh, so, you know, and, and they were very adamant that I do that. So they know that, hey, your plan of attack is the plan to be on. And they didn't have any qualms about me going and double checking them. So. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and so, you know, that scene when you're like, shoot, shoot it to me straight, Doc, what was their prognosis to you? Yeah. Well, it had metastasized uh, after taking out three quarters of my colon into an area that was it's it's down near the, the celiac nerve. And okay. the, the, the main issue with me is, is when when it was growing, it was getting into the nerve. So the chemos would shrink it. The pain would go away and we'd be going down the road. But the chemos never got rid of it. We did two rounds of full fox, full fury. Um, yep. radiation and in some celiac blocks to try to get the nerve to not, you know, uh, you know, do what it was doing. But, but n- yeah. n- none of that was really working because the, the cancer would respond and shrink a little bit, but then immediately start back to growing. And, and one of the things with the, the second opinions was, is that it, it's an area, as it was explained to me, the, the doctor at UNC was pretty blunt about it. He goes, I can go there. That's what I'm paid to do but I don't want to go there. It's a last resort because as I was told, a little bit left, a little bit right, I'm paraplegic. And they can't Oof. radiate the area because, you know, you, when you're talking about lymph nodes and things like that, and he goes, it's, you got it. It's, it's going to be a chemical fight of whatever because yeah. you don't, you don't want to, you know, go in. So, so I was all in on the chemical fight. So <laughs> that, that was, that was good with me, but it got to the point, uh, well, when I was doing the chemos, 
one of the things when chemo starts, you know, knocking you down and then you have to give up things and you always have a plan to take it back. But, you know, cycling was one of those things. You, I always I always prided myself. I think it was in chemo around four or something like that. You know, I'm still lifting right afterwards. And I'm like you. I got the pump on and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and there and the crazy I, I, I'd mess with my pets with it because it always made a little squeak, you know, when it when it's pumping into you. So had some fun with it. But um, but then it got to the point where. You know, it's like, and you realize that the fatigue and it just beats you down. It, yeah. It, it it really gets bad, and then, you know, you're almost at a standstill, and then you come off of it, and you get a little bit of a reprieve, uh, but then the cancer would start growing again. Right. And so then you're right back in. We're going to do this. Um, you know, second rounds. They did the radiations and stuff, but it it got to the point in uh, in 2014 that. The chemos weren't working. And I knew about chemos that, you know, sometimes your your, your body has a resistance even to the chemo to react yeah, to absolutely. it. Right. So I, I knew that wasn't good. And the it, it was growing to the point I was on a ton of narcotics. And I I worked the whole time throughout the whole process because I figured if I give anything up, cancer wins. So I'm still going to work. And, and there's people there today. I, and I worked at a distribution center. Uh, I worked at the corporate office for a while closer to here. But but they they tell me afterwards that, you know, dude, we thought when days you come in, you were going to die at your desk. <laughs> and I did. It looked bad. And my wife was saying, uh, you need to buy new clothes because I was 177, you know, and then I was like 140. And I'm going I'm not staying in this body. This body's going to be back in the clothes. I'm not buying clothes for the cancer body, right? <laughs> so I was baggy clothes, so I didn't care. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, it, it, it was big time uh, pain. I would take, I, would, I don't know if I should say this, I, <laughs> I, I, I would take the, the, the pain meds on the way home so they'd be kicking in by the time, you know, sooner when I hit the driveway and I wouldn't take them in the morning so I could make it through the day. And, and I found that walking around was better for me. So the distribution center was a better place for me because I could do a lot of my work walking around to yeah. relieve the pain yep. and stuff. But, but there was an instance when my, I pulled in the driveway and uh, next thing I know, my neighbor was tapping on my window and evidently I, I fell asleep in the driveway. She thought I was dead. Because <laughs> it was, she's scared of when I moved. I'm like, you know, so it was, it was, it was crazy times. But I was right on the brink of not being able to stay off the pain meds because it was yeah. getting that bad. Um, I go for walks at two o'clock in the morning just because it felt better to walk. I would, I mean, I look at it as I put a face on cancer and you talk to it and you cuss it out. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just you just get pissed at it. You know, really? Okay, we're going for a walk. Let's go. You know, three o'clock in the morning, you know, it, it doesn't matter if, it, if that felt better. But I love that. And, and anything solid, and the big thing too is like if I ate anything that expanded my stomach, it pushed the tumor into the nerve and created more pain. And uh, so I, I was trying to eat soups and stuff. I figured maybe it'd wrap around it instead of push it around. So I, and I was trying to get some high calorie stuff in, but I went down to about 127 pounds. Oof. And my doctor was saying, I think they got something for you over at Duke. You need to call them and go check it out. And um, 
So I did, and I remember that iconic day. I could barely walk in there from, I, I don't know if you know the, the Duke Cancer Center, but you know, you park in the garage and you make that iconic walk over to the Cancer Center. And uh, it was so slow. And, and I'm, not, I'm the type of guy, you know, nobody passes me when I'm walking. So, I mean, I could barely make it there. And barely, and it barely stood up in the chair. And uh, they evaluated me. I just remember a bunch of lab coats were there. And then the, uh, can I mention the drug's name? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was going to do a clinical trial with nivolumab, a Bristol-Myers yep. squib. And um, so they had, they had a bunch of lab coats there to evaluate me. And they put me on this metal table where it hurt to lay flat. And they were all over me doing ultrasounds and they were telling me they wanted to go get a, a biopsy of the tumor and they'd have to go through the pancreas to get here and there. And you may get pancreatitis and you may get this, you may get that. And I was sitting there going, you know, <laughs> I don't know about this. This doesn't sound good at all. And, you know, it was, it was like lose-lose. And then there was a phone call and... Miraculously, they all just were done here. They all closed up shop and left. And then I went and talked to my doctor and they said they were talking to him. And he goes, you know, we're not going through organs to get a biopsy. So he was at bat with for me. That that was I was awesome too. But and I didn't find out until after I was much better. My doctor told me, he goes, uh, they didn't want you to do the clinical trial. They thought you were too sick. Because they thought you weren't going to make right. it. Right. Yeah. And, and he thought I had a, as chance as, as anybody else. And what's miraculous, too, is that when I looked up this drug, and, and I remember the, watching the commercials about Opdivo and, yes. you know, a chance to live longer. And, you know, that, it just burns into your head. You go, there's my drug for melanoma and lung cancer, a chance to live longer. They never, and then I went in there to uh, my oncologist there, Duke. And I, you know, they never say a chance to get cured. And he just looks at me and goes, maybe you'll be the first. And I go, okay, well, we'll aim at that. And, uh, and then the, the, the big thing about that commercial, too, is uh, has been known to attack healthy organs both during and after treatment. You know, you got that on your head. And I told him, I walked in there, I said, now, wouldn't that just suck to beat cancer and then it attacks something they can't fix, and you die from that. And, and he just looked at me and goes, yeah, yeah, that would suck. It's like, <laughs> okay, but let's keep going down the road because I was, I was responding well to it. So, but, Absolutely. But it was, and that's what, turned, that's what turned everything around for you. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and, yep. and the, the thing was is that the, I remember sitting in that chair for the very first treatment, and the, uh, the nurses were saying, oh, everybody that's doing this now – I didn't realize this, that they, they were gathering MSI high patients to do this clinical trial. And, and let me just cut in real quick um, for those who don't know about, you know, a lot of folks not uh, don't have the background on the biology of colon cancer. MSI high is a particular type of colon cancer, represents a pretty small percentage. It's one that Tom and I both share, and we both have Lynch syndrome, which is very closely connected with this MSI high biology. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and uh, so they, but you, you, when you're on a clinical trial, you, you know, I thought, hey, are we going to be having lunch with each other to, you know, swap stories, <laughs> you know? But, but thus the man up to cancer, we could have been doing that, 
if you had it, absolutely we would have been doing that because i, I yeah. often you know just just in an aside i often i i you know people pour their guts out on the man up the cancer thing and i'm just like you know what would i be saying when i'm laying there at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning going for a walk i mean but anyway back to that that first treatment they're saying nobody's had a problem with it i wasn't the first in there but uh you know you're in here 30 minutes and you'll be gone and uh so they started it and the the pain just amplified to the point I remember they get on the phone, then they come back, give me a little bit more morphine. And, I, and I'm like, you know, not cutting it. You know, this is crazy. And next thing I know, it's the next morning and I'm in the hospital waking up with more lab coats looking at me. And I didn't know how I got there. And I looked at them and I said, I feel okay. Can I go home? And they said, <laughs> uh, you haven't eaten anything. I go, okay. And they I said, you know, what do you want? And they, and they brought me French toast and hash browns and, and I ate it. And it really didn't dawn on me that that's the first meal I've had in a long time. And I'm not in pain. And, and when we went home, I had just a, a plethora of pain meds that I'm supposed to still be on and taking. So I called the doctor and I said, I don't have any pain. Do I need to be taking this? And he's like, yes, yes, we got to wean you off because you don't want to crash. You'll be right back in the hospital for another reason. And so right. we started, you know, taking back off and uh, on the pain meds and I had a ton of them and I thought it was crazy, but I, I did it. I, you know, followed the plan. He got me here. So I'm not going to go against that, but, but it was amazing that after that very first treatment, the pain was completely gone. And then we did a CT scan and the tumor shrank more than any of the chemos had ever. It was, I mean, everybody was just amazed. And from then on, it's uh, not totally well baby checks, but you know, there's the side, there's some side effects, uh, you know, to this too, but the um, a, a lot of the checks were good. The, the blood was good. Sometimes things would be up and down. You got to take this and that. But it's the time. Uh, it's the type of clinical trial where you stay on it until you can't tolerate it. Right. So there were some ups and downs, and then the part of the commercial came true that has been known to attack healthy organs. Right. All of a sudden, I got a stricture in my duodenum or duodenum. First place out yep. of the stomach, you know, to the, the intestine. And and when it would stricture, I was telling you that uh, it was pretty violent. That's when I would lose 15 pounds in two days. And they're telling me to stay hydrated till I can get there, get back <laughs> to them. So, but, so then we spent some time, you know, dilating that open with an endoscopy. And then we'd move down the road with some more treatments. And then a second time it happened and my oncologist said, I would stop. And, but I'm going to leave it up to you. And he left the room and the nurses are looking at me and I'm like, you know, every time I stop something, it goes bad. It's not good. So I said, let's keep going. And, and we did. And it ended up being about a little over two years. And, um, but it got to the point where, where the stricture was, it got an ulcer and they're like, we got to stop. Yeah. So then I we we came off of that. Then we had to cure that. So then I had to have a gastrojejuostomy, the stomach bypass, 
going around the duodenum to get that done. So, uh, so we did that, spent a couple of days in the hospital and, and, uh, then I could eat some more, but still, you know, you, you got the, the side effects from, from everything, even the uh, stomach bypass, but, but it was a, a pretty miraculous, uh, you know, journey while on the clinical trial for me. And, uh, and they, they were saying that now they limit the clinical trials to two years and, um, uh, you know, not just keep going down the road. So, yeah. so I don't know if I was, the, I, hope, I hope I wasn't the cause of that, but I think, well, and I think that in some circumstances they, they, they find arrangements to keep it going as long as it's not doing too much damage. Right. Right. Uh, like it was, what it was doing with you, but let's just, I mean, bottom line here is it is spring 2021 and you stand here you sit here today uh no evidence of disease correct right right and and my the last clinical trial treatment was uh november 2016 and then the uh you know the gastrojejuostomy was uh february and uh and then it's been you know besides uh, you know some side effects and i'm still on a, on, on a couple of uh, over the counter meds uh yeah it's it's been it's been pretty miraculous and oh my goodness yeah and you know, I, I want to do that commercial for BMS, a chance to get cured, right? So I don't know if they'll, I mean, they'll go for that. Right, right. Hey, all of our BMS folks, if you're out there, give Tom a ring. There you go. Um, I, I just, I have to say, of all the people that, you know, could represent Jimmy V's legacy in terms of never, ever giving up. I mean, there's nobody better than you, man. <laughs> What you've been yeah. through over the past nine years, it's it's really remarkable. And thanks for sharing and, just some of it. Right. Yeah. And 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 to get in the uh to bring it full full circle that yeah. my, my oncologist was a cyclist at the University of Washington. And uh he would talk about him and his dad doing the STP uh ride. Um I forget what that stands for, but anyway, it was like a two hundred mile ride and he he bonked out at, you know, hundred and thirty something, you know. So cycling was something we could we could talk about and and as things would uh you know i'd go on these you know bike rides and and uh I said check this out 50 miles and he's like going 60 they knew 60 i'm like so i come in 80 miles check it out and he's like you're right there why don't you go 100 i'm like <laughs> so it was just a, a big thing to, to talk about and uh with, with him and it, it was always a measure of uh you know, how I was doing, how the treatment was hitting me and, and how I could come back from that. And, and it's always been kind of personal because I felt like, okay, you tried to stop me to do this. Now I'm doing that. Kind of like going for that 2 a.m. walk, you know, screw yeah, you, you're not I'm take walking. This away from, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, after I had the gastro me and I was feeling good and I started, you know, getting back to cycling and I said, well, you know what, we, I'm getting good enough. I'm going far enough. Now let's start, you know, let's see if there's some events out there you can be a part of. And it just happened to be the first year of the victory ride. And when I, I found that, you know, just kind of Googling stuff, rides and this, and, and, uh, then when I saw what it was all about, it was for cancer research. And I'm going, well, hell, that's me. And then I started digging around and then I go, oh, Duke's got a team. So, uh, so I, I remember going on there and signing up for the Duke team. And I figured, looking at the names that were on there, I go, I don't know any of these people. And uh, so I signed up, you know, I, I, I raised my money and, and I, I showed up and uh, I walked over to the table and I said, is this the Duke team? And he goes, he goes, yeah. And I, and I go, well, I'm here to ride with you. And, and he goes, uh, you know, how, how are you, uh, 
you know, associated with doing. I said, well, I just finished a clinical trial. You guys fixed me up. So the least I can do is ride for you. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I started talking about the clinical trial I was on, but, but it was the head of the Duke Cancer Center. Um, oh, wow. I didn't even know who he was. I'm like, I didn't know who he was. <laughs> right. you know, he had a Duke jersey on. He was ready to go. So, And that's when uh, I didn't know Ryan at the time, but I knew he was a part of the thing because he gave a little speech up there, you know, about his journey too. He has, he has a very miraculous journey and is associated with Duke also. So we kind of, we both ride on the same team for the victory ride, but it was just amazing that all, all the things hit home, you know, it being for cancer research, the big thing also is, uh, you know, hundred percent of the money goes to fighting cancer. And it was kind of cool too, that, you know, the, the three, uh, research hospitals, uh, UNC Lineberger, Wake Forest Baptist, and Duke Cancer Center, they all benefit in a large way. It's a pretty neat thing to be a part of. And you talk about, uh, you know, Mick was talking about stories. They like to tell the stories of people, the survivor stories and uh, caregiver stories, why people are there, why people are a part of this thing. And it is a neat thing when you're on the ride, you just toss out, what are you doing here? You know, it may be something who never had cancer, but he's riding for his mom. Or he's right. riding for his grandmother and he start talking about stuff, you know, and it was strange for me because when they'd ask me, you know, why are you here? And my answer was kind of for myself. And I tell my story and, uh, you know, that, that was a neat thing too. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's the whole mix out there of survivors riding and, uh, and thriving through that. And then the, the caregivers and, and it's just a, I call it a big time to get in cancer's face and be there. I'm there for a hundred miles. Now that first, that first ride, I couldn't go a hundred. I did the 60 in the pouring rain, uh, which, you know, yeah, I mean, and, and, and we, we do have to say <laughs> you're an overachiever. Um, <laughs> we, we, we have to make space for those of us like more mere mortals like myself that, um, you know, we love people like you, and I can think of a couple other people you remind me of that are just kind of relentless in terms of not giving anything up. But we also want to just make space for those folks that, hey, if you're not a Tom, if you can maybe just do do the shortest one or whatever, a walk or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, everyone can be involved in these kind of things. And and, and this year, it, it's it's pretty neat, too, because last year uh, when it was all virtual, we did some some get together training rides. And one of the big rides was on the greenways there in Raleigh. And, uh, and that's a spectacular place to ride a bike. I brought out my mountain bike and, and I rode as far as I could to get back in time to, uh, you know, get one of those, uh, Braswell farm eggs. But, uh, there you go. but yeah, but now, you know, th- this year the, the, the ride is involving the greenway and, you know, everybody can get out there on that greenway and, and do what you want to do. And it's a really spectacular place to be. So the V Foundation has a bunch of events, a huge organization, a lot of, lot of people, a lot of events going on. Mick, can you talk about this particular event? Uh, it's got a special spot there locally, and it's kind of evolved from a humble beginnings, I guess, right? Yeah, it's, it's an event we, we really treasure. I mean, I think the way Tom described it, you know, when he just kind of stumbled across the, the head of the Duke Cancer Center and met, met Ryan, who does a tremendous job promoting the Victory Ride, too. And that everyone does have a story, and, and it's, it is cool being there on site. The first couple of years and just exchanging stories with people and talking to people, it to me, you know, as someone who works the event, not ride it, but um, that's the coolest part of it is just seeing everyone kind of talking and exchanging stories. But um, Tom, Tom did mention the, the different levels of riding, and I think that's an important thing to point out too, is that 
Um, for, for people like Tom, who are the, the hardcore cyclists, we have those 60 and 100 mile routes, um, which are our road routes. And those are going to be, you know, you want to really get out there and you're, you're a cyclist, maybe going for a, for a new PR or something like that. That's the, that's the ride for you. But there's also those 10 and 30 mile routes that are on those greenways that Tom mentioned, which are beautiful down here in North Carolina. And those are going to be more laid back for someone who, you know, is more of a casual rider or even someone who, you know, hasn't ridden a bike in a long time. You just want to get out there and do the 10 mile ride and enjoy the day. Um, you know, fingers crossed on August 28th, uh, we'll have great weather down here in North Carolina. Um, but the, the, the cool thing this year too, is we also have the, my victory month, which is a virtual experience uh, uh, leading up to the ride. And, uh, that's, you know, one of the silver linings from everything we had to, to go through last year with events being canceled and not being able to get together was, you know, I think we sort of came together and said, okay, how can we still uh, form teams and have this camaraderie that this event brings, but without being able to, to come together. So, um, this virtual experience really kind of started le- around last year's ride. And, uh, you know, we, we were really, you know, jazzed by how many people got on board. We had more than 550 riders do the virtual, uh, event last year. So, um, that's, and that's also great for, you know, not everyone can make it to Raleigh on August 28th, right? It's, you know, we, we're hoping that people across the country are want to get involved in this. Right. So you can, uh, you, you can ride when you want throughout the month of August. We have ways for you to kind of join up and, and have little, uh, f- fun, friendly competitions around fundraising around your, around your cycling. Um, and, and anyone who wants to, to sort of check it out can just go to the victory to learn more. We have everything laid out there too. And, uh, also for, I, I want to note too, that, you know, Tom mentioned the fundraising aspect, which is you know, why why we do this. Um, there's a there's a $250 minimum for anyone who rides the in-person ride. And I know that, you know, the fundraising minimum can be scary to someone, right, who hasn't done a fundraiser. It's like, oh, my gosh, how do I go about raising this money? Um, but we have tools uh, on our website, kits and guides to, to kind of give you tips and tricks to do that. Uh, we have a staff who's always willing to help you out. Um, shout out to Emily Clay on our staff, who I know is like, has more phone calls and emails with everyone involved in the Victor Victor Top. You know her well. Um, you know she is she is always willing to go the extra mile to help <laughs> yeah. you with fundraising. Um, and and you know for our virtual riders, there's no there's no fundraising minimum, but of course we do encourage virtual riders to to fundraise as well and uh, and to just to get involved. I think it's you know Tom, Tom sort of dove into it, but that's that's really what this is about. Is is we want it to be a a, a event that not only raises awareness for cancer research, but just sort of builds a community, not just in Raleigh but across the country. And what is the entry point? Where do people go? What's the what's the website they should head to? Yeah, it's it's thevictoryride.org. You can find everything you want there. You can register. You can find more information on on the how the virtual ride works. Um, you know, fundraising tips, training tips, all anything you need. No matter what uh, part of the ride you want to participate in, there's also some great stories on there um, from people like Tom and others who are survivors or who are telling their story of why they ride too. So you can kind of get a feel for why people are getting involved. And you, you can find everything you need there. Also uh, at the victory ride on social media. Uh, if you just want to follow along and kind of see sort of what's going on with the ride, um, you know, please, please feel free to, to follow along on social media as well. So the victory and at the victory ride on social media. As, as a cyclist, when I start doing this and I start going, going further and I, and I, I do, I, I do the century ride just because I'm on the bike in cancer space longer. So if it were a 200 mile ride, I may be doing that, but, but it is, <laughs> it is kind of a, an iconic thing. And, and you do a, you, when you do these charity rides, the support of this one is pretty amazing. And cause you know, if you're, if you're thinking about doing the, the 60 or a hundred, it's a good time to do it because 
the uh, the the rest stops are are well staffed. And if you think about, yeah, we got we got a good story uh, from that the the, the second year. Um, but who's staffing? Who who are you going to meet at some of these rest stops? Well, if you think about it, it's it's a lot of the cancer center nurses and employees they're there and and a buddy of mine I was riding with uh, we pulled into one and uh he got a leg cramp and <laughs> I was in here I'm a physical therapist and she went and got her bag and he's getting his rub down I'm like what is going on <laughs> and uh he's getting he's getting all hooked up and ready to go but but you know another thing that that was iconic when you're out there for you know close to 6 hours is is seeing this <laughs> This is the sign. This tells you that you're going to have some. So he's, hold, so he's holding up a sign that just says "Eggs ahead one mile." Yeah, you got to give the backstory on this. Yeah, this this is the sign you see that you know the rest stops coming up. So you know then then you're going to have a lot of support there, and and this is kind of funny, but it's uh it kind of you know hits home with you when you're riding. I made myself this sign. I have it out there. I can look at it every day. It reminds me of what what needs to be done, but. But it is is really a, a well well supported ride uh, for what's going on. The food trucks are out there too, and it's it's it, it's really big time. And the Strava Club we were talking about, <laughs> but a lot of us on the Strava Club, you know, you get out there, and I said, all right, I'm going to do a century ride every week before the victory ride. You know, just so you know, it's just my thing. If we can't all get together. This is what I'm going to do because everybody sees you on Strava and stuff, so. And I was always trying to go for the, the longest ride of the week. And then now some people have joined and I'm like, you know, they're like riding to Washington and back. I'm like, what is it? I, I can't compete now. What's going on with that? I thought maybe 105 would be good. But, you know, these guys, are, there's some serious guys out there. But but there's also there's people on e-bikes. They're just getting out there because it's it's, it's all about the cause. And Absolutely. there's tricycles. They got their kids out there. You know, there's like I think there's a cutest rider prize and stuff. So, uh, but it's it's the whole it's the whole gamut there. So if you want to go long and and hard with it and you're hardcore about it, and there's a lot of guys that are, you know, that's fine. But but if you're not, it's still a tremendous you know get together. And there's a ton of people that you know are not going 100 or 60 miles. So, and well, the greenway is a big thing too. So, absolutely. And I know Man Up to Cancer has um, has a lot of folks down in that triangle area and uh i i encourage them to to get involved check this out that uh, doesn't take much to get involved and it's a great cause if i were a little you know i'm up here in portland maine i'm, I'm in the thick of treatment right now so it's not good right. cards for me but um i really hope in the future to get down for it and and and, and know this too uh trevor you know i'm I, i'm a member of your group there and you gather a lot of inspiration from a lot of the posts on that on the man up to cancer site it's Absolutely. tremendous i mean Thank and you. I see a lot of a, a, a lot of fights similar to mine that you know you just see how they're all in and and going at it and and some work some don't it just crushes you when it doesn't and it's just that's right when when the answer is not there for everyone it's it just brings in that you know that it's it's the research and stuff that's gonna gonna happen so absolutely and we'll be looking back and saying you know that the v foundation that played a big part of it when 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 everyone can get to the point that you're at um mick i want to ask you is there anything about um the v foundation or the victory ride that we haven't covered today you know, we, that we covered a lot and get and out there and to again, folks? Well, i'm lucky to have tom on here with me who does such a tremendous job uh, not only you know sharing his his inspirational story but but talking about absolutely. why the victory ride is important and 
and and Trevor, thank you to, for for letting us come on and, and chat. We are big fans of the podcast and and happy to be on. Um, the the only thing I'll mention is just that this is uh, you know it, it's only the fourth year of of the Victory Ride. This event's raised more than six hundred and fifty thousand dollars for cancer research, and and we're still just getting going. And we think this year is going to be the biggest year yet. Um, so yeah, we you know your listeners uh, if, if they're down here in North Carolina and they want to join us, we'd love to see you on August twenty eighth. But you know. Like Tom mentioned, that 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 virtual ride, there is still that camaraderie that, that comes with that. So I'd encourage anyone who who's not in the area, please check it out. Just give it a look. See if it might be something you want to do. And uh, we'd love to have you on, on that part of the ride as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much. We're going to call this one a wrap. I really appreciate both of you. I mean, this has been an awesome conversation. I think for a lot of people, it might be their first introduction to the V Foundation. And maybe that has, is going to set some people up for a, for a fantastic um, connection with them going down the road. So appreciate you guys. And I'm sure this is not our last conversation. So yeah. Thank you. And Trev, I want to send positive vibes to your fight, man. We're watching it. Yes, yeah. man. Ditto. Keep Ditto, it in Trevor. there. Keep Be going. Strong. Man. Thank you so much. Hey, appreciate you guys so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the man up to cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open.